0: Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land In Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. On today's episode, we are in conversation with ESPN college football analyst and former Ohio State captain and quarterback Kirk Herbstreit. The Blue-Eyed Buckeye joined us to promote the Goodyear Playoff Fan Picks, which is a partnership between Goodyear and ESPN that lets fans have their say as to who they think should be the Final Four teams selected to the college football playoffs. We will have more information about that in the show notes and in the article version of this podcast episode on landgrantholyland.com. Now, as a note, this interview was recorded late last week, but it was embargoed until noon on Saturday, so given that Ohio State was kicking off against Indiana at that exact same moment, we held it until Monday. So, while our conversations still hold up, I think, as a whole, they did happen before we got all of the information gleaned from this past weekend's games. But in our chat, Kirk and I talk about the progress that he has seen from Justin Fields, what he thinks of BYU and Cincinnati in relation to the playoff, and things that have surprised him the most in the Big Ten this season, most notably, his not very good thoughts about the University of Michigan. One more thing before we get into the conversation, though, I will say that Kirk's reception was a little bit wonky when he was answering the first question, but I promise it does get better after that. All right, so now that we've got all of that out of the way, here's my conversation with Kirk Herbstreit. Well, you are here thanks to the Goodyear playoff fan picks, which let the fans vote on who they think is going to make the college football playoff before those first rankings are actually unveiled. They had... Alabama, at number one, Ohio State at number two, Clemson at three and Notre Dame at four. And I think that's pretty straightforward, probably has a pretty decent shot of happening, you know, with Bama and Ohio State winning out and then Clemson with a presumably healthy Trevor Lawrence beating Notre Dame in the ACC championship game. But I wondered, as crazy as 2020 has been, what you think might be the biggest roadblock to that happening, um, is is it Florida in the SEC? Maybe Indiana or Wisconsin in the Big Ten? Even the Irish beating Clemson a second time—is it even possible to predict all of the craziness of this season with all those unusual variables that we're having?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think I think typically you feel that there's a few more foregone conclusions than I feel like there there is this year, and you just touched on a few. I mean, Alabama. I mean, it's almost like, well, it's Alabama. It's Nick Saban. Just pencil them in. But the way Kyle Trask is playing right now and with his receivers around him and obviously Kyle Pitts, um, that has the, the potential of being a really competitive game yeah. in Atlanta. Uh, Ohio State, I, I don't know if we've seen the best of Ohio State yet. Like Justin Fields mm-hmm. in the offense looks, looks really good. Um, I, I, I think anybody, Ryan Day included, would say I think they're still learning about who they are defensively. I think there are times where they look dominant, and there are times where they look like they're they're still trying to build continuity on that side of the ball. And here comes Indiana. I, I'm a huge fan of Paul Christ and Wisconsin, and and this kid Grant Mertz and what they can do. You know, think about what they have been through this year. And as good as they looked against Michigan, um, you know, they may have, they have their hands full potentially with Northwestern. But I I think Wisconsin could be a really good test potentially for Ohio State and Indy. And then you get to the Clemson-Notre Dame debate. Notre Dame still has to go to North Carolina. They're sworn on everybody mm-hmm. um, the day after Thanksgiving. But assuming Notre Dame and Clemson continue to win, if Clemson gets revenge, do they blow out Notre Dame? Is it a close you know, three-point, one-possession game? Then um, I think both get in, if that's the case, because of them splitting and with both games being competitive. Uh, if, if Notre Dame beats Clemson, would it, as used to healthy and more importantly to me is if James Scalsky and Mike Jones, Mike Jones and Tyler Davis can come back, uh, that's a different in defense than than what they faced when they were in South end. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what makes I think this this fun. Five weeks to go, and you really can't be just convinced that two or three teams are a lock. I, I think it's kind of wide open still.
0: And one of you said this is going to be fun for the next five weeks. One of the things that's been the most fun for me this season has been watching two really, really good group of five teams in BYU and all all Ohio State fans, sentimental favorite Cincinnati. I think they've still probably got an uphill battle to make it to the playoff. But how do you think these two teams would stack up if they did sneak in against some of those power five traditional uh, uh, conference champions?
1: Yeah, I mean, I really want to see Cincinnati this week against UCF and that firepower with Dylan Gabriel and, and the way they can score in the blink of an eye. I, I think Florida, I mean, uh, Cincinnati has a chance against the the, the uh, firepower to to maybe really show how potentially good they are or how potentially vulnerable they are. Uh, because right now we've been somewhat mesmerized by the way they're playing defense. We don't see mm-hmm. defense every week, right, when we watch college football. <laughs> Not anymore. When you watch the when you watch Fickle's team, you do. So are they that good, or is that a reflection of who they played? We'll find out really, to me, how good they are uh, this weekend. BYU, I, I'm really sold on. Um, I, I I feel bad for them because of who they their schedule after after COVID. You know, they went from playing quite a few Power Five teams to to now they're, they're very limited. I think it's interesting what Larry Scott of the Pac-12 said yesterday, Matt. I, mm-hmm. I know you're you're all over it, but. I I think that that potentially opens up some doors for BYU uh, that if there are some games that are canceled and the other team's healthy, all of a sudden you look at who they, they have a game this weekend against North Alabama, and then they have San Diego State on December 12th, they've got some open dates. So two games to play, five weeks to go, that leaves them with three potential weeks where somebody ends up testing there's too many players positive. They call BYU's AD, hey, can you come to such and such school? We'd love to play you. Boom, uh, you know I don't know if that plays out, but that sure would help their case uh, down the stretch. if They're trying to show the committee that they can play with the big boys. So, but I'm with you. I think it's fun to see Cincinnati. Fun to see BYU. I mean, even Coastal Carolina and oh, yeah. and Marshall, you know, are have, having magical seasons as well.
0: Yeah, that's what makes college football so much fun in a regular season and with all of the other bizarre happenings around the sport this year. I think that's uh, those storylines have been even more amplified because of just how – unusual and unexpected they are. It's given everybody kind of like a, a dose of good feelings when there's so much to be worried and nervous about. Uh, but you you mentioned Ohio State earlier and we're an Ohio State uh, site. So I want to talk a little bit about them. And you know, Ohio State quarterbacks about as well as anybody. And it's just been three games into the season, but it really looks like Justin Fields has elevated himself to be potentially one of, if not the best of all time, uh, to play in Columbus. And I wonder where you think his biggest improvements have been in 2020 over last season where he was still really great, but it seems like he's taken it up another, another level or two this year.
1: Well, the the fan in me w- would have him. I think by the time he leaves Columbus, um, not just his numbers he's going to put up, but just his performances. I, I think yeah. he's going to stack up with anybody that ever played. Troy Smith would be the other guy that I would, I would obviously put up there with the career that he enjoyed in in 05 and 06 um but I I think the thing and I've really studied him a lot the thing and and I talked with him uh, several times the thing that I've seen is last year as a first year starter he was sensational but he was like any young quarterback that hadn't played a lot of football he he and he's athletic he would look at his primary receiver and if he was there he would throw a very accurate ball and they would make a big play and Ryan Day can draw plays up with anybody, but if if he if his primary was taken, he would instinctively rely on his legs to keep a, a play alive, and it worked. You know, he would create and scramble and throw, or he would create, scramble and take off and pick up a first down, and it was very effective. I think what Ryan Day really challenged him. You know, when when COVID happened and the Big Ten got suspended, and everybody thought Justin Fields is going to go announce early, he's going to the NFL and not going to play. He went to work with Ryan day. He got more one-on-one time than he's ever had with, yeah. as you probably know. And he said it really helped him understand the game more, not just their own scheme. It helped him understand coverage more. And if you watch him play, watch how quieter his feet are when he's in the pocket. And so what I'm seeing now is sure. He's still athletic and he can go and create, but man, watch him work. There's option one, one, two, three, four, and then he'll take off and scramble. So I think he's working through his progressions way, way better this year. And that's a combination of game experience and reps where the game is slowed down for him. He understands coverages. And then that one-on-one time with Ryan day, where they really went to work on film and, uh, and, and how attack defenses. So I think that's why you're seeing it play out, uh, with this guy almost looks like he's in games, but it looks like he's at a Tuesday practice um, because of how calm he is now in the pocket.
0: Yeah. And he's been so fantastic. You can almost overlook the fact that Ohio state hasn't exactly had the most dynamic of running games this season. Do you think that they'll have to see a significant improvement there over the next month or so uh, to, to be able to really contend for the national title or has college football evolved to a point where you can legitimately contend with an elite quarterback in an, average running game
1: yeah I I think it's you can do it both ways um I I think Ryan Day would tell you he prefers to have a Zeke Elliott or a a J.K. Dobbins um to make it you know more dynamic and and make defenses more concerned uh like last year you 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 didn't have an extra hat in the box or concern about where's J.K. Dobbins what do we got what's our plan to slow this guy down and then it creates so much more opportunity for, for Justin Fields in the passing game, especially the, the vertical passing game. Um, and now you've got a concern about more of the power that Ohio State has in running the ball with Sermon and, and especially Master Teague. But you don't have necessarily to worry as a defensive coach. We're, if we're going to get burnt today vertically, it's going we're worried about Fields in the passing game. And so you don't have that same concern about the explosive. So you're willing to take maybe a few more chances in trying to make Ohio State go 12 plays, 80 yards, and make them earn it, not give up. Like if I'm Indiana this weekend, they've been playing pretty good with this uh, Coach Womack, their defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking if they're going to beat us running the ball, let them beat us running the ball. we got to play with two high safeties. we got to take away you know, the ability – of these receivers to hurt us in the big play, the creativity of fields. And so let's stop this passing game. Let's make them drive and not, not have turnovers, not have penalties. So that's what I think teams are going to do more of. And I think it gives Ohio state's offensive line and running game more of an opportunity. And if they can make teams pay for it, then they're going to adjust and say, Oh man, we thought we could control their running game. We can't, we got to get an extra guy down. And then bang, now you play right into what Fields and Olave and Wilson and that group of receivers can do to you.
0: Yeah. Well, I've just got like one more minute left. And so we've talked about the weirdness of this season, and that has impacted the Big Ten I think just as much as anybody in college football with all of the things that are upside down in the Big Ten with some of the blue bloods not looking so great in Michigan and Penn State what do you see as maybe something that is the biggest surprise for you in the Big Ten outside of anything Ohio State uh, related?
1: Well there's a few things I would say that Indiana you know they've been close but this, this, if you've watched this team play this feels real um, Tom Allen's done a very, very good job of building this program up. Where I think they truly take the field now, and think they are going to win. They, I think, in the past, hey, if we can catch a break here, or there, we can win this game. It was almost like they had to talk themselves into it. They'll take the field Saturday. You know, whether they win or lose, they'll think they're going to win when they take the field against yeah. Ohio State. So that's different to me. Maryland showing a pulse. Kind of a forgotten team right now. <laughs> I know Ohio State missed that that opportunity to play them, but they, they're with uh, Tunga Valoa, and they're running the ball. Mike Locksley, kind of a underrated play caller. Remember the work he did with uh, with Tua, and uh, and Jalen Hurts when he was at Alabama and doing a hell of a job with with Maryland. I mean, Maryland's been way off the radar for years in the Big Ten, and and so that those things have kind of stood out to me. And Northwestern bouncing back. I don't want to say it's a surprise, but it's just good to see Pat Fitzgerald's brand back playing the, the kind of their style of ball. Um, the the negative has to be Michigan for me. I mean, I I yeah. called their game last weekend. I'm just I'm kind of in awe of how of, of of just how they're playing right now. It's one thing to lose games. It's another thing to look the way they have looked um against indiana against michigan state and against wisconsin last week um i'm dumbfounded i I have no explanation for it i mean they can still turn their season around and get going in a better direction but um that that to me is probably the biggest surprise especially matt considering the way they started the year and looking so good with with joe milton up in minneapolis against minnesota and you could say well minnesota's not that good still man they they look good in every phase of the yeah. game and played with confidence. And to see them go from that to, to, to see them now losing three in a row, um, I don't know. I, I just, I'm just i very surprised.
0: Well, Kirk, thank you so much uh, for your time. And we'll have all the information for the, the Goodyear uh, f- playoff fan picks in the show notes and in the articles. So we want to make sure everybody gets a part of that. But we appreciate everything that you do, not only for Ohio State football, but for college football. And uh, enjoy the rest of the season. Hey, I really
1: appreciate you saying that, Matt. T- take care, buddy. Have a good weekend.
0: You too. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lane Grant Holyland in conversation. Also, thanks, of course, to my former boss at 1460 The Fan about 17 ish years ago, Kirk Herbstreet. You can follow him on Twitter at Kirk Herbstreet, and we will have all of the information about the Goodyear playoff fan picks in the show notes and in the article on Landgrainholyland.com. If that is where you are hearing this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are releasing a different podcast episode every single day of the college football season with vastly different focuses and perspectives. There is no feed like ours, for better or for worse, across the entire Ohio State podcasting universe. Also, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LaneGrant33, and you can find me at BWWMAT. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon, and as always, go Bucks.